0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. I want to begin by sharing that there's at least three causes of sickness. Causes is your word. Three causes of sickness. Physical, emotional, spiritual. If you need a copy of the notes, kindly raise your hand. We'll get them to you. Anybody? Physical, emotional, and spiritual. Physical causes. Being exposed under point A to germs that carry disease. That's not too difficult to understand, right? Right. We know in the fallen state that we are in, there's bacteria and germs all around us. In the physical world that we live in. And if we get close to them or they get on us, then of course they can cause sickness and disease to manifest itself within our bodies. Secondly, under point B, this isn't necessarily a sickness or a disease, but it does create pain. If you ever fell off a of ladder, I guarantee you, you've probably felt some pain, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so falling off a ladder or downstairs can injure someone, create injury, an injury. Of course, that could lead to some things that are not good as well. Yeah. Under point C, touching poisonous plants. Did you ever contact or contract like poison ivy or poison oak by just touching it? That's the physical realm that we live in. If you didn't touch it, you'd be alright. But since you touched it, you got it in your body and as a result of course, you've got poison ivy or poison oak or whatever other poisonous plant that you might touch and you might suffer from it. And then under point D, eating spoiled or under cooked <laughs> food. Thank you for that graphic description there, Aaron. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I know I've done that. Have you, have you ever done that? Some, I did that. We did it once with some undercooked chicken. It wasn't, it wasn't cooked well. My wife and I, we ate of it, and it wasn't very long thereafter that we knew all about it. and It was a horrible situation, a very challenging situation as well when we eat spoiled meat. Well... In John's Gospel, chapter 9, here we have Jesus. And what he's really letting us know here is that we understand that there are some things that are physical that cause sickness and disease and not just sin. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither had this Man sinned, nor his parents, but that the, he must, that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. So what's he saying? He's not sick or blind because he sinned or his parents sinned. That had nothing to do with it. We live in a fallen world. And as a result of the fallen world that we live in, a person can be born blind just the way he was born blind. But the work, of course, of Jesus was to heal him and make him whole. So he let us know that it's not just sin. So your word is sin. Jesus acknowledged that not all illness is caused by sin. A lot of people think, well, it has to be sin in your life to be sick. Well, that's not necessarily true. A person can be sick without sinning or doing anything wrong. All you have to do is exist. Because we live in a fallen world, right? And we know that. All right. So under point two, there are emotional causes that can bring sickness and disease into our lives. Job 3.25, he won't turn to it, but it just clearly states, the fear that I greatly feared has come upon me. Fear opened up the door to a lot of the calamities that he experienced in his life, including sickness and disease and also death. And so what opened up the door, fear did. Fear is a destructive force. Faith opens up the door to the activities of God. Fear opens up the door to the activities of the enemy. So he greatly feared this and it manifested in his life. And so we understand then that fear can open up that door and it can do it for us as well. And so we need to learn not to fear or be afraid. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, we see another emotion called anxiety. Anxiety, worry, stress, fretting, anxiety can cause ulcers. Hives, rashes, if never addressed. So anxiety and stress can open up the door to many, many physical conditions. And of course, our healthcare workers acknowledge that. and They let us know that high blood pressure, uh, physical pain, stomach pain, etc., 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 all as a result of anxiety and worry not being addressed. Now, there was no anxiety and there was no fear in the garden. There was no shame before the fall of man. Those emotions came into being or manifestation with the fall of man, with the fall of man, not apart from the fall of man. That was not God's intended purpose from the very beginning. It was as a result of the fall of man that the door was opened to anxiety, fear, shame, worry, and all those emotions that can be destructive in our lives. No wonder that the uh, psalmist said that I have to be weaned from my emotions as a child is weaned from its mother. How are we doing with that, by the way? How are we doing with that? Are we being weaned from our emotions as we ought to be? You know, if, we, if we're not, they will control our lives, right? They will definitely take us down a wrong path, no question about it. Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Don't have any frets about anything. Paul said, don't fret, don't worry, don't have anxiety about anything. Give everything to God with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, makes your request known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, in Isaiah 26 and verse 3, it says, He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on Him because you trust in Him. So the word there, peace, of course, is shalom. And really, it's a word that means perfection in spirit, perfection in soul, perfection in body. What a wonderful word to learn. The manifestation of God's shalom, God's peace in our lives. In other words, I believe it's bringing us back into harmony with God spiritually, with God emotionally, and with God physically. We're brought back into a place of harmony with God. And that will be fully realized at some point. We just want to expedite it, don't we? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, under Adam and Eve died spiritually, which gave place to anxiety, fear, and shame. So your next word is spiritually. They separated themselves from God and that opened up the door to emotional upheaval as well as spiritual and then physical as well. The body became subject to death, mortal, which is why we experience sickness and disease, which is incipient death. And then in Psalm 27, verse one, a wonderful verse of scripture. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen to that again. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? He's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So when we focus on the fact that the Lord is my light and salvation, who can we fear? He's the strength of my life. Who can we be afraid? of? No one. So if we just take that to heart, choosing to fear positions us to use our own resources. Your words are positions us, To use our own resources to deal with the situation that could be creating the fear, the worry, or the anxiety. And so we don't want to position ourselves for that. Choosing faith releases God's resources. So would we we rather have our resources or would we rather have God's resources? Obviously, we would prefer gods over our own, our own capabilities, our own abilities, our own whatever strengths that we have. And in all realms, I mean, thank God for what man can do in every realm. Thank God for what man has advanced in living upon the planet. But nothing can compare to the awesome power of the living God that we serve. No, You know, Jesus came to make a way for us to experience wholeness in spirit, soul and body. He defeated the works of the devil. He outdid the works of the devil. And as a result, of course, he's been defeated. And we have the victory over it all. But our biggest challenge is for us to align ourselves with God in spirit, in soul and body. We'll see that more as we go along. So choosing faith releases God's resources in our lives. So there are physical causes to sickness and disease. There are emotional causes to sickness and disease. And also, number three, there are spiritual causes To sickness and disease. In Luke 16, verse 13, this is the woman that was bowed over for for all these 18 years and she could no wise lift up herself. But Jesus came, he laid his hand on her and said, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And then the religious folk, they got upset with Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day and he called them a bunch of hypocrites and says, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. Notice in this one statement, ought not this woman, shouldn't this woman being a daughter of Abraham, there's the reason why, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath, whom Satan hath bound all these 18 years. So Satan had her bound. You see, back then, they thought that God was the cause of everything, good or evil. They attributed everything to God. In the old covenant, that was their mentality. God's the one that's doing all this. So they had a limited revelation of God, who he was, his compassion, his love, his mercy, etc. Even their own covenant they had, they had a covenant of healing and they didn't really understand it. But Jesus said, this woman is a daughter of Abraham. I like that. It points to something way back that God instituted with Abraham when he went into a covenant relationship with him and said, look, I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord, your physician. I'm the Lord, your healer. As it went on from Abraham out to Moses and so on and so forth. And so he said, she ought to be healed and loosed even on the Sabbath day. Why? Satan had her bound. That's a spiritual cause. It's a spirit of infirmity. So there is a spirit that can be behind infirmity as well. And it can enforce sickness or a disease in a person's body, in a person's life. In the book of Psalms 38, and this one we're going to have to explore. Let's turn to that verse in Psalm 38. I want you to see this one. And this is King David. And it's about some things that he allowed really into his own life. So sin can open up the door to sickness and disease if we toy with it. Beginning at verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones. Why? Because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. As in heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt Because of my foolishness, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long for my loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by season of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee and my groaning is not hid from thee. That's a mouthful, wouldn't you say? Okay, so we see that David opened up the door to a loathsome disease in his body. And you've got all kinds of references. This is the thing about all these Bible references that you can use, the paraphrases that you can use to read about this, that, and the other thing. Some say it was arthritis. Some say it was this and that. Some say it was an STD that he had in his body as a result of the things that he had done. But regardless, we know it was a loathsome disease There was a stench about it, apparently, that caused a lot of pain in his body. And he said, it was as a result of my sin. Many to the fact that he had, obviously, an affair with Bathsheba. And then he he killed Uriah, her husband, and so on and so forth. And he allowed himself to get to that place to where he was judged by God. But anyhow, uh, he opened up the door. So sin, in your next, under point B cause a loathsome disease in David's loins. So what was the cause of it? Sin was the cause of it. So it could be physical. It can be emotional. But it can also be spiritual. Spiritual things like sin can open up the door to sickness and disease in a person's life. Under point C, judgment is a spiritual thing as well. In Second Chronicles chapter 16, uh, you can read about it. Well, let's, let's turn to it. Let's read it. We're not going anywhere, right? At least not right now. <laughs> how many of you know the story of King Asa? You, when you think about King Asa and you, you think about his life initially and how he was on fire for God, and this is important, he was on fire for God, walking with God, serving God, believing God, no matter what he faced, no matter what enemy he faced. He was victorious because he trusted in, relied on, and depended on God to be his source and resource for, as far as strength is concerned, ability is concerned. So no matter who was against him at all, he trusted God. And that's the way he began his, his, his reign. But then something happened over time, which can happen to anybody. You can take things for granted and then not be, let's say, as astute as far as a student of the word, or maybe in prayer or whatever. And you kind of let things slip. The writer of Hebrews told us, watch, you don't let things slip because they can just ease out, you know, just, just eke out, just like you're letting a little bit of air out of a balloon slowly, but surely it's coming out. And then you see it begin just to get smaller and smaller. Well, that's exactly what Asa did. He went from trusting God in a situation that was so immense that there was no possible way for his Deliverance to come. But then he left that. And when it came time for him to believe God again, he was so far removed from God that this is what happened. Uh, 2 Chronicles 16, beginning verse 7. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because, and here's the reason, you relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Absolutely. Yet because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth... Thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer or the prophet, and put him in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet. In his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept or died with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Here we have someone that explicitly trusted God at the beginning of his his reign. But then as time went on, he got to a place to where he no longer trusted God. He trusted his negotiations. He trusted in uh, the money that they had. As a matter of fact, he even misused the funds that, that were that belonged to the Lord. But he was judged. So under point C, your word is judgment. In 2 Chronicles 16, 7 through 13, King Asa went from trusting God to trusting man and money. Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arms. You ever read that in Jeremiah? Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. Maybe I can say that again. Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. No matter how smart one is, no matter how intelligent one is, no matter how skilled one is, man cannot compare to Almighty God. And God does not want us to put our total trust in what a man can do. Whether it's a political leader, whether it's a doctor, no matter who, what, where, when, or how, God wants us explicitly. He wants us to be with him and believe in him and trust in him and put him first in our lives. Well, he didn't do that. And as a result of not doing that, what happened to him was this disease got into his body. And now he's accustomed not to go into God like he did before. And so what does he do? He ignores God and goes to, at that time, he sought the physician. And back then, remember, your physician back then was not like today. Probably some kind of a you know, spiritualist or whatever, uh, using incantations and that sort of thing to get help. If he would have gone to God, you know what? God's so merciful, loving, and kind that he would have gone to God, just repented and said, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I did trust you with the Ethiopians. We're talking about like a, the odds were a million to 300,000 and they won the victory because God fought for them. But now, what does he do? He turns away from God, trusts in money, and his neg- negotiating skills and tries to work together with other people to overcome. And the Lord said, because you did that, man, you just made a big mess for yourself. And so he got instead of repenting. What did he do? He got mad at the seer and threw him in prison. Yeah. Think about how callous a person can become, yeah. how hard hearted a person can become over a period of time. That's what he did. So he didn't trust God, didn't look to God, sought the physician and he died. As a result of not trusting God. Not because he went to the physician. He could, have, he could have had help. Maybe possibly in the natural world. That's okay. Now. He trusted man. He trusted money. Now look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In the first five verses here. Of 1 Corinthians. We have another one. Who opened up the door. To calamity. Sickness and disease. As a result of his sin. So no one is exempt from it. I mean, you think about David being a man after God's own heart, and you think about the things that he did. It goes to show us that God's a merciful God. God's a loving God. He knows our frame. He knows it's easy for us to miss the mark. He doesn't give us a license to sin. It just makes us realize how merciful and loving God is. And he understands our frame. All he wants us to do is to do what? Own up to it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. I sinned against you, etc., In the first five verses here, it's reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife or his stepmother. Are you puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you? For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already... As though I were present concerning him that hath done, that hath so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's pretty strong there, wouldn't you say? Let's read verse four again. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Wow. Pretty strong words there. So here's a situation where an individual probably was addressed but refused to get out of his sin. His heart was hardened as a result. It's unthinkable that he was living with his stepmother even though his father's still alive. And Paul says, What's the matter with you? This is wrong. I've judged. We're to judge things that are according to the word, you know, right and wrong, according to the word, right? Okay. So he says, I've judged already. So notice in your notes, when one's eternity is in jeopardy, I realize there are some that say, Oh, once saved, always saved." well, read the verse here and you you might reconsider. When one's eternity is in jeopardy, the flesh can be turned over to Satan for destruction. In order to save the spirit. Think about that. What's more important. To God. What's of more value to God. That man's eternity. His eternal condition is more important. Than his length of time living on the planet. So what does he say to do? Gather together in the powerful name of Jesus. And turn that man's flesh over to Satan. To destroy it. So his spirit may be saved. In the day of the Lord. It's pretty powerful, but that was an act of judgment. Now, to his credit, we believe and I believe many scholars believe as well, that he was turned over to Satan. His flesh began to be destroyed. And in, in the second Corinthians letter, we're told he repented and was told he was allowed back into the fellowship of the saints and they were to forgive him because of godly sorrow that worked true repentance in his life. So he was healed. You see, sin opened the door to his destruction. But then repentance opened up the door to his healing. And once he was healed and restored, he had a whole change of heart and mind. It's something how those things that we think are so important and meaningful here on earth so suddenly become meaningless when your life is hanging in the balance. Yeah. Isn't that true? Right. Right. All these thoughts, all these plans, all these big ideals. If you're gone tomorrow, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if you're gone tomorrow? How about the guy that says, I'm going to build up my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns because I'm I'm going to retire. And I'm going to live high off the hog. And what did Jesus say? You fool. Yeah, you did all that, but you didn't do it for you. You did it for somebody else because your soul is required of you tonight. So once your barns are full, someone else is going to come in and just enjoy all the labor of your hand. So we can see then physical causes, emotional causes, spiritual causes, including judgment, as well as uh, spirits of infirmity, sin, etc., can open up the door to sickness and disease. So these are all causes for sickness and disease that we need to be familiar with and understand. Now, The cure. Thank God for the cure. Amen. The most effective cure is, and let's get this in our hearts, to restore a right relationship with God in spirit, soul, and body. To restore a right relationship with God in all three parts of our being, spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians chapter five, 5, verse 23. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. Preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord, the very God of peace, sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Jesus died to make provision for the tripart being of man: his spirit, his soul, his body. Well, how is his spirit restored in a new birth? When a person is born again, his spirit is in a right relationship with God. Unrighteousness is gone, and righteousness prevails in his heart. Thank God he has a new life. He came to give us life, Zoe life, the life that God has, life as God has it, as a matter of fact. So in your notes, the spirit is restored in the new birth. Thank God for that. Amen. Number one, more than anything else, that's what's important right there. Number two, the soul is restored with the word. Remember the psalmist said, restore my soul. Remember Paul said, the renewing of our mind. Our minds have got to be renewed to the word of God. We need to be deprogrammed from our way of thinking and reprogrammed to God's way of thinking. So the thinking part of man begins to be restored to a rightful place in the way we think, in the way we live, in in what we believe. So we've got to educate ourselves according to the word of God and just fill ourselves, our souls up with the word of God. So our souls are restored to a right way of thinking, which is a right relationship with God. We need to think the way God wants us to think. Look what's happening in our world today. Look in our culture, in our society today. It's just beyond my comprehension that a person doesn't understand his gender. I'm not saying that in in any disrespectful way whatsoever. It's just beyond, I think, my comprehension. How can you not know your gender? Obviously, there's something seriously wrong here. God wants us to think the way he wants us to think. Also, other things in our culture that we see happening, you know, and and once again, if we align them up with the word of God, then the word of God will judge all those things, which is why we as Christians get criticized, saying that we're judgmental, saying that we're unloving and compassionate and all that. No. No, no, more than anything else, we are concerned about the part of them that is everlasting, not what is temporal. What is temporal is going to end someday soon. But what's eternal will go on forever. And we're concerned about where they're going to spend their eternity. Nothing is more important than that. We want them to have a right relationship with God, a restored relationship in spirit, a restored relationship in soul, and then also in body. Now, the next word is the word. Of course, you should know that. The soul is restored with the word, and the body can be healed, is your next word. It can be healed, but not fully restored until it's glorified aren't you glad that that thing you're sitting on right now will one day be glorified there will not be a pain not a sickness not a disease nothing of that nature and aren't you glad your soul will no longer be contaminated by the thoughts of the devil that he's injecting into our minds Thanks be to God, one day we're going to be completely restored in spirit, in soul, and in body. Now, right now, the body can be healed, but it cannot be glorified. If it's glorified, that means you're out of here. But one day we'll be glorified, and we thank God for that. And once again, we will not be... If you want to call us weird, I could use the word freaks. (laughs) No, I'm not saying you are. (laughs) I mean your spirit is born again alive to God and your soul is like out to lunch here somewhere and your body's just like going in this direction. It's it's like we're not aligned like we were once before the fall of man. Right. Before the fall of man we were spirit, soul, and body in harmony with God. Now that we have fallen, once again we've been born again, our spirits aligned with God, but the soul's out to lunch and the body's doing its own thing, and they've got to be reeled in and controlled. Amen. Or we're weird. The way we think, the way we behave, the way we act, we need to bring them all back into harmony with God. Spirit, soul, body. And that produces healing. Can you say amen? amen. In the book of Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 29, in here, we're talking about the cure now. And there's nothing more important than that cure than to have our spirit, soul, and body restored to a right relationship with God. In Acts chapter 4, and let's start with Verse 29. And behold, their threatenings, and grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke, spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. What a place to be in. Great power, great grace resting upon us individually as a family, as a church body. All right, in your notes, we serve an unchanging God whose power is ever present to save, heal, deliver, restore, and help people be it spiritually, emotionally, physically, socially, financially, in every way that is needed. They were threatened. Why? Because God was actively manifesting himself among these people. People were getting saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. All kinds of signs, wonders, and miracles were taking place. Judaism was shaken to its foundation. The Roman Empire was begin to be threat began to be threatened and all that. Okay. So we see this happening in verses 29 and 30. We have to read it again. You can see what was happening. They were threatened, but they appeal- appealed to God and said, stretch forth your hand to heal, make an impact in our society, in our culture. Let people see what you're all about. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Do we want him yeah. manifesting himself among us? Amen. The threats is your next word. Move them to pray to God for divine assistance. See, they knew their need and took it to God. Under point B, their prayer is answered and the Holy Ghost power and Holy Ghost power fills each person. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 32, the effect is contagious. The effect was contagious. I mean, they all joined themselves together when they saw this great move of God take place. And they all gave up what they had and brought it to the apostles and they shared things common. Verse 33 Great power is manifested. Power to do what? Accomplish the purposes of God and give witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Is that needed today? Amen. Is that needed today? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for us to be able to walk into the White House and say, we'd like to have a little meeting here with all of you politicians and have them all gather together and then we just stand there and say, go ahead. Go ahead, Father. Go ahead. Show up. Show yourself strong. Can you imagine in that whole place if those that were sick got instantly healed Delivered, set free, made whole, etc., etc. Can you imagine what kind of a revival would take place once again in our nation, in our government? The resurrection power of Jesus manifesting among the people, I guarantee they put those Ten Commandments back up on the wall. Amen. Under point two, when God's Spirit shows up, amazing things happen. Look at chapter 5 and verse 12. Now they prayed and the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God boldly. But look at verse 12, Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And it says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, there's no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and then which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. Notice every one, every one. What a manifestation of the power of God. You know, we think we're going to be able to do it um, in, in natural ways, intelligent ways, intellectual ways, political ways and all that. I'm telling you only is going to make a difference is when God just unleashes his power Amen. over this nation once again. Yeah. When the church gathers together and says, "It doesn't matter how many's in my church. It doesn't matter how much money's coming in. It doesn't matter this or that." We want you. Yes. Yes. Amen. We want you, Lord. Amen. We want you Amen. to show up in our church services. To show up in our nation. To show up in every area of our being. Amen. That's what we want. Amen. We want you, and with Him. Praise God. You know what happens. Okay, barriers. This is what happens under point A barriers are broken. Disease is cured. Addictions are destroyed. Hope is established. And people are blessed. I'll give you those again barriers are broken. Disease is cured. Addictions are destroyed. Hope is established. People are blessed. Would that not be a wonderful thing to see, a sight to see, when Peter's shadow just overshadowing some of them. We know it was the glory emanating that was there. And people that came in from every direction brought these people and every single one of them were healed, whether they were, let's say, vexed with an unclean spirit or just physically sick. They were all delivered and set free. What does that tell us? The closer you get to God, the faster the devil has to run. Right. Amen? Amen. All right. By the anointing under point B, the anointing destroyed the yoke of bondage, healed the sick and released those vexed by unclean spirits. So where the word is spoken and spirit is moving, an atmosphere is created that makes it easier to receive from God. Well, if we just get focused on that. Yeah. Set aside all the petty differences. Set aside all the things that are, let's say, uh, contradictory to the things of God. And yeah. sh- look out. All right. Under point three, creating an atmosphere in which we're talking about the cure. Creating an atmosphere in which the spirit can move. as part of the cure. In Ezekiel 47, we won't, for time purposes, take time to read them all. But here is where an illustration was given to him. Ezekiel, and he saw, he told him to wait out into the water ankle deep, knee deep, loin deep, and then finally swim out into the water. But ankle deep, starting with that, is your first one under point A. The beginning stages of learning to flow with the Spirit. You're just stepping into it, just got filled with the Holy Ghost or whatever, and you're beginning to move out into the waters of the Spirit because it's foreign to us. At the beginning, it's foreign to us, it's not the kind of lifestyle that we've lived before, and so we just begin. But then we get to the knee deep. Knee-deep represents a deeper understanding of walking by faith and moving with the Spirit of God. And it's all about faith and power, faith and power, faith and power, faith and power. Under point C, loins deep, up to your loins, represents increase in strength. The anointing is increasing. And the greater the anointing, the greater the results that they saw, the way they saw those results as the glory manifested, praise God, It was a wonderful thing. It doesn't even say that they really prayed for him. It was just the glory that was manifested that brought healing into their lives. Right? That's what took place. And then finally, under point D, water to swim in. In other words, this means you're completely submerged in the spirit and surrendered to God. You're out there just swimming in the waters of the spirit. Praise God. Just enveloped by it. Walking in the light of it. I never exalt a man, but I just remember on some occasions when I was off at school and also to some of the events that we would go to after school, like continuing education, um, camp meeting and all that. I just remember seeing Brother Hagin in some places where he would get off an elevator or something like that. And I'm telling you what, I what I know what it's like when people said, when they got by Smith Wigglesworth, that his presence convicted them of sin, his very presence. In some cases, they even fell under the power. But the same thing I saw there. There was such, let's say, a manifestation of the presence of God just exuding from his being. It was like, whoa, you can actually experience it. You can sense it. You can actually, it was a tangible way that you can actually feel it. So, wow, just enveloped in it. God wants us... Submerged. He wants us surrendered. He wants us filled. He wants us full to overflowing. And you know what? There's so many things that hinder that. Yeah. And too often we're we're just, I guess, gullible maybe in some cases, or just willing to yield to prevent it from happening. But if we really want the move of God, if we really want the glory of God, if we really want the ma- this manifestation of God's power, so that we can be a place where You can can call this a healing house where people can come in and spirit, soul, and body be delivered and set free. Then the sacrifice has to be made. Now, in Acts chapter uh, 4, did you get number 4? Prayer and worship promote the moving of the spirit. Prayer and worship promote the moving of the spirit. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23, we won't take time to read it, but I'll just share a little bit. When they went to their own company, they reported to them all that they said. And when they had done that, they lifted up their eyes, to, their, their hands to God. And they said, Lord, thou art God made heaven and earth and sea and all that in the midst. And they began to pray their prayer. Who bought the ma- ma- mouth of David, King David said, why do the people all, do all these things? Heathen rage and the people imagine vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, et etc." Et and when they got done praying, the place was shaken when they were assembled together. Absolutely shaken where they're assembled together. So as they prayed, they brought a manifestation of the Spirit of God, a moving of the Spirit of God. So prayer can make the difference between life and death. Life and death are your next two words. Prayer can make a difference between life and death. The effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It does. And that's why... I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not sure exactly about this. I may do this on Sunday morning, but people need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. People need access to pray the perfect will of God. Here we are trying to come up with all these wonderful words, Lord, i and, and yes, in our English language, and we can be articulate, but you know what? When you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says your spirit connects with his spirit, and his spirit connects with our spirit. The words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Now, when you communicate with God, since we're a spirit and he's a spirit, he gives us language. And that language is he fills us up with himself so that we have a language of the spirit that enables us to pray out his perfect will in the spirit. It bypasses our intelligence, our intellect, because we're so limited, finite beings. So when we go off on other tongues, we're engaging with the Spirit of God, with the Father himself. It, it, it would behoove us to do more praying in the Spirit than anything else. Otherwise, we're limited to our own knowledge. Are we all that smart? But the Spirit is. Angels respond to our prayers. Daniel 10, 12. Gabriel said, I've come the moment you prayed and sought the Lord. I was dispatched from heaven to come and answer your prayer. But I got sidetracked. You know, this here spirit, Prince of Persia came, started fighting with me and all that stuff. Then Michael came and released me here. I've come 21 days later, Daniel. And I'm going to tell you what the answer is. See, angels respond to our prayers. God moves when we pray. 2 Chronicles 7, first three verses. Tell them. When Solomon made a bend of praying, the fire came down from heaven, burned up the sacrifice, the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. They couldn't stand to minister for by reason of the cloud. Hallelujah. Wonderful services like that. We don't have to bring in a a, a sacrificial animal. We we could come together and just say, we're just going to worship God. We're going to sacrifice our praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and just go off in the spirit. Prayer produces power to heal. We saw that. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. They lay hands on the sick. By the hands of the apostles. Many signs and waters were wrought among the people. And then the glory showed up. And everybody was healed. In Acts 13. The first. Uh, two, second, verse 2 and 3. As they ministered unto the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost showed up. And spoke. So, ministering to the Lord moves the spirit as well. Next one. Jesus is the healer. Healing power manifests as we seek him, turn from sin, and worship him as our healer. I want you to notice those three things. As we seek him, as we turn from sin, and as we worship him as our healer. We want you. We want you. It's not puzzling. It's not confusing. Lord, you're the answer. You're the solution. We want you. We want you to show up when we gather together. We want you. That's our desire. So we're seeking your face. We're turning from things that are offensive to you and we worship you. I was listening to one very uh, popular preacher and he was talking about how he had a desire to just to expose his heart before God he said search my heart try my reins and but he was very confident because he's very gifted and skilled in greek and and that and as a result he thought i'm pretty good huh. he said so i got before the lord and said I, lord show me if there's anything in me that displeases you in any way yeah. i'm yours he thought for sure that would be a quick Moment. He said, three hours later, I stood there just, whoa, wow. (laughs) Think about it. Wow. Okay. All right. Shine the light of your scrutiny on me. Wow. On my life. And he says, trust me, there was a lot of things that I needed to adjust in my life. (laughs) And he said, because he sought the Lord and asked him to show him, he did. See, he won't impose upon our will. He he won't just move if we don't want him to. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, there's power to cure leprosy. But when did it come? After the man worshipped him. He bowed down and worshipped him and said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. It is his will. I know you can. I don't know if you will. But now he knows he will. Amen. That is. That's right. It is his will. In Matthew 15, this is, uh, there's power to evict demons. This is the Phoenician woman that just wanted the crumb that fell from the rich man's table. She came and she finally bowed down before him and worshipped him. And what happened? There was power manifested to evict demons your word is evict demons, was manifested after worship and faith were released. She worshipped him first. And then when he said, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs, she responded in faith and says, but the dogs have rights, Lord. And what happened? There was an unleashing of power that delivered her daughter from this demon power. And finally, in John 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said the Father is looking for people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So true worshipers can expect God to move by His Spirit on their behalf. You know what that tells me then? If we really believe that He will manifest Himself, it should be very easy for us just to stand up right now and just start worshiping Him just for a moment. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be that simple? Do we believe that he will inhabit the praises of his people? If we just acknowledge him as Jehovah Rapha? So let's stand and do it.